Peace, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Behold Pop Culture, the show where we take a look at some prominent people, figures, and events in pop culture today and in the past and try and see what lessons we could take away from them. Today is Friday, November the 13th. Friday the 13th. And we've had a, I would say, pretty docile week for the world. Among the spiking numbers with coronavirus, there's been a release of tension as many who were heavily invested in the election got some semblance of an answer. There were people running about in the streets, celebrating, and others staying home and being disappointed. But no matter on what side of the fence you lay, there was somewhat of a relief with removing the anticipation that seemed to be heavily populating the air around us. But with that being said, there's still plenty of things to talk about as we move on to the sports section of the podcast, where once again, the NBA continues to find ways to remain in the headlines in its offseason. With the biggest headline being at the moment that NBA superstar or former NBA superstar to some people's opinion, Russell Westbrook has been in plenty of trade rumors. After some pretty damning leaks of the Rockets culture being one where they uphold their superstars and degrade and have shorter leashes for the other players around them. So with that, former players came out critiquing them. Present players expressed some issues with the way that they were valued on the team. And Russell Westbrook, a former MVP, a man that has averaged triple-doubles multiple times in the NBA, has seemed to have requested a trade. Now, what comes along with that is typically plenty of teams in the league ringing the Rockets' number, trying to figure out how they could get their hands on him. But there's been a rather polarizing conversation taking place where on one side, some people believe that Russell Westbrook is a tremendous talent whose talent trumps his inefficiencies, and he deserves to have a rather large role on a championship team. On the other side of that, there's a large population of people who believe that Russell Westbrook's talent is capped in the sense that he could go out and average 30, 10, and 10 for a team But that 30, 10, and 10 wouldn't be enough to win a championship because it would eliminate so many opportunities for other players on the teams with him turning over the ball, missing shots, not being able to make wide-open three-pointers. And many people believe that he cannot be a recipe on a championship-winning team. And just to extrapolate this a little bit further, this can apply to many different careers where There's a lot of jobs that look for specific skills that they believe will benefit them in the long run. If you're working for a restaurant, for example, they may want people who are well-versed in cooking, who are some of the best chefs in their towns, who have displayed some level of talent with regards to cooking, but that might blind them to hiring someone who can't cook at all 
but might be a marketing genius and might take a restaurant that has great chefs but is somewhat niche to new heights by mastering the ways that they display their talents, the way that they market themselves throughout the town or throughout their state. And sometimes having that blinder on can result in companies losing out on great talent. But I digress, as in this situation, I personally believe that Russell Westbrook can contribute to a championship team. Now, his inefficiencies are something that cannot be ignored. Russell Westwick was shooting horrifically from the three this season, and for the most part, he was a paint-specific scorer. He could score 30 points in a game, but almost all of them needed to be from layups, dunks, and free throws. And even at the free throw line, his efficiencies were something to question. He could easily go there and miss a free throw, and it wouldn't seem out of the ordinary. So I believe that Russell Westwick would be most effective on a team that's already developed an efficient game plan. While some would say that he could actually destroy that game plan, I believe that an efficient game plan could prevent him from showing those flaws. Russell Westbrook, a player who's used to taking tremendous amounts of shots, in the right system, maybe he only takes 20. And those 20 are well-guided, well-placed shots that could deliver boost to his efficiency like we've never seen before. And at the same time, he can contribute by being a dominant point guard, one who's so much more powerful and athletic than his counterparts that oftentimes he can blow past your average point guard in the league. And that can be so effective because when he blows past his man and other defenders have to adjust, that can create openings where, as I said before, If you have an efficient offense where you have shooters, he can create so many opportunities that his role on the team can be so undervalued. The problem with the Rockets was that their entire offense revolved around James Harden. And you can't have two players with that high of a usage rate because every time we've seen those types of collisions of high usage players, one always has to defer and neither of these players seemed willing to defer. James Harden wants to be a high-usage guy. Russell Westbrook wants to be a high-usage guy. So the upcoming conversation is going to be what teams are willing to give Russell Westbrook that usage. Or is Westbrook willing to be a superstar that has tempered numbers? The underrated superstar. I've seen rumors of teams that are willing to take him on with that usage rate Just to build a winning culture on their team, the Hornets are currently emerging as the top contender to take on Russell Westbrook and his large contract. But with that being said, I'll be keeping an eye on that. And the only other news that we'll be maintaining in the NBA and something that I will have to discuss next week as well is the NBA draft, the first remote draft, virtual draft where we'll see a influx of some young talents who no one knows what to say about them. Last year, we had Zion Williamson, a divisive number one pick, someone who was clearly the best player talent in his draft. This year, there's about four or five players who are top talents in the draft, and none of them are as divisive or clear superstars that teams can be comfortable taking them. LaMelo Ball, a player who, if you're unfamiliar, 
is the younger brother of Lonzo Ball, a player who found himself in endless amounts of controversy because of his father, LeVar Ball, who fought as hard as he could to become a media superstar as he did enough to get his son Lonzo to be a top three pick in the NBA draft. But now the younger son, LaMelo Ball, a player who dropped out of high school to go play overseas, someone who seems to have the most natural basketball talent in this draft class, is contending to be a top three pick. The rest of the talents in this draft are rather unknown players to the general pop culture community. They're all players with some level of potential, but much of that potential has been unseen. So every player in this draft, including LaMelo Ball, in my opinion, will be experiments. And they'll see if their team can develop them into their full potential. And there's plenty of stories here. The Warriors who landed themselves a top pick might be moving their pick. This could be a draft night where we see a lot of players and picks moving around to see what teams are willing to experiment with these players. But until the draft happens, there's not much else to say. And we can move on to the NFL where we had another week of some significant headlines. The first of which is a team that I vow to not talk about much more on this season, the Dallas Cowboys found their way back into the headlines again when they almost stumped the undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers, a team that has been dominant this entire year, almost had a catastrophic loss as they almost lost to a team that some say is the worst in the league next to the New York Jets. So the Dallas Cowboys had a significant lead on the Pittsburgh Steelers going into halftime in that game. And somehow, someway, the Dallas Cowboys fumbled it and lost. But it showed a little bit of vulnerability with the Steelers as the Cowboys found success passing against an otherwise historic defense. Other than that, we saw the Seattle Seahawks, another surging team with a great MVP candidate in Russell Wilson, be stumped by the Buffalo Bills as Josh Allen, the quarterback for the team, put up phenomenal numbers. He was as accurate as I've ever seen him be against their team. And the Seattle Seahawks continue to prove that Russell Wilson is carrying them, and the question will loom as to whether you can win without even an average defense on your team. The Minnesota Vikings are surging as they've been led by running back Dalvin Cook, who continues to just dominate teams in a historic fashion of his own. They run the ball every single play, it seems like, and teams cannot do anything about it. I've I've rarely seen anything like this. And they don't have a potent passing attack because... I don't know if it's the play calling or Kirk Cousins, their quarterback, not being good enough, but their attack isn't great, and you would assume that players could just prepare for the run, yet Dalvin Cook is just bursting through these teams' defenses like it's nothing. And we'll see if he could do it again this week against a stout Chicago Bears defense. We saw rookie Tua Tagovailoa go up against Kyler Murray, another phenom a player who was a top pick in both the NFL and baseball draft, where the rookie Tua came out on top just barely as the Cardinals missed a key kick, 
a makeable kick at the end of the game. But within all that, the most surprising game of the weekend was the New Orleans Saints, led by veteran Drew Brees, stomping the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, led by the GOAT Tom Brady. Alleged GOAT, I should say. Tom Brady came out with three phenomenal receivers on his team. Now he was joined by Antonio Brown, a former MVP candidate receiver, and that offense couldn't move the ball at all. I I was surprised. Everyone thought that Tom Brady with this legion of top receivers would be dominant. He would have some of the best numbers we've ever seen from him. And they came out and put up three points. They barely were able to get up a field goal with all of this offensive talent on the team. It revealed a large hole in their team being their offensive line who couldn't keep Tom Brady up enough to make good plays. Now, Tom Brady wasn't great either. No one on the team was great as when you lose by almost 40 points, no one was playing perfectly. But the offensive line problems were so significant, they were glaring, as even though Tom Brady had great receivers and solid running backs, he didn't have enough time to let them make plays. So that's another story to keep an eye out on to see if Tom Brady, who left the Patriots, a team he had been with for 20 plus years, if he could find a way to put the right pieces together to win on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So with the continuing to be active sports industry, we can move on to the music industry where I just wanted to report on some interesting projects that are going to be released or as you're hearing this have been released with the major one being Future, the trap artist from Atlanta and Lil Uzi Vert, another trap artist from Philadelphia, came together to make a project called Pluto X Baby Pluto. A trap album, one that I will be checking out to give you guys my opinion on, but something that a lot of fans on both sides of these artists had been looking forward to. Future and Little Uzi Vert have collaborated before and made some significant songs, some great music that they produced. So plenty of people will be checking this out, including myself, and giving their opinion on it. In addition to that, we've seen 2 Chains release a new album for those fans out there called So Help Me God. 2 Chains, who seems to release a project every year and stay somewhere relevant in the culture by releasing so much music and has become a staple in the Atlanta music sound. We're also seeing a musical return from Little Nas X, the creator of the longest standing number one song in history. Old Town Road, has returned with a holiday song called Holiday that seems to be making reference to Christmas, Santa Claus, and they've blown a budget clearly with the animations and the music video for it. And the question with Little Nas X continues to be, can he do it again? We've seen so many one-hit wonders come and go, but can he continue to be successful? And that question remains to be answered as I believe... The answer will be dictated by his next project that he decides to release. He won't be able to sustain a career solely off of singles, but 
the labels have clearly decided they want to back him. And we'll see if he could put together a project that has songs that will keep bases returning to check out. Now, there's some lesser-known releases that I might be trying to see as well as Masego, a lesser-known artist who plays nearly every instrument. I've seen him play so many varieties of sounds that he's worth checking out, in my opinion. I haven't listened to this album yet, but I will be giving my opinion on it. His last album was a solid project. He's He's got some of my favorite songs on his last album, so I will give my seal of approval for Masego, an artist who can sing and play instruments. His tiny desk, I highly recommend. He works with bands. He's just an overall very musical person, and I'm a fan of his art, so I will be checking out his album. R&B artist Danny Lay released a new project called Movie. And lastly, rapper Russ is leading up to releasing a new EP called Chomp that have some some pretty good features on there. I'm looking forward to that as well. But other than that, within the music industry, the most significant news to come out that I wanted to talk about was Ticketmaster announcing that they plan on concerts requiring some sort of validation in terms of whether you're vaccinated or have tested positive in recent history in order to be admitted to these concerts. Now, this isn't a point of surprise or anything that's coming out of the blue, but it's something to stay aware of as I wonder how long such restrictions will be in place. Because we could see a drastic polarization with regards to who is able to go to concerts, whether it's because of access or in general, will there be a difference from country to country with regards to how these concerts and venues will decide to work? I'm sure that these artists are trying to find every way to get back into these venues, but we could also see an emergence of online concerts being much more viable than they seem to be at the moment. While people have been tossing and turning over being able to see live events, if the restrictions become too harsh, again, based on how available different procedures become in the near future, we could see online concerts being legitimate competitors to live events. It's something to keep an eye on, but what do you think? Do you believe that live events will continue to return to what it was prior to COVID or do you see yourself paying to watch events online from your computer? Would you watch a music festival from your computer? You're getting a similar experience musically, but how much do you value the live event circuit? Do these artists even want to be performing as much with all the precautionary measures that may come along with it? So it's something to keep in mind as any live events that you were planning on trying to go to will likely be implementing similar restrictions. And with that being said, we can move on to the gaming section of the podcast where the time has arrived. Next gen is now current gen. We have entered the world, the realm of current gen being 5G, PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X. We're here. 
Everyone's doing these glamorous unboxing videos. Everyone's doing their gaming streams, videos, putting out as much content as possible, capitalizing on the hype that exists. And as expected, getting your hands on one of these devices was as difficult as they could possibly make it. Every site was crashing expeditiously. As soon as the time would change, people were complaining. Target's whole fiasco with the unboxing was taking place because Target sent out some message where they were saying that they weren't going to cover up the boxes. It was just a whole fiasco taking place. But ultimately, plenty of people have gotten their hands on the new generation of consoles. The graphics look great. People have no issues with the designs. It's generally getting positive feedback, which is what these companies want. The only negative feedback is being able to get your hands on it. But luckily, unlike sneaker releases, everyone will get their chance at some point, one way or another, to test drive these next generations of consoles. I assume that by this time next year, If there's no setbacks, everyone who wanted to get the day one release consoles will have those consoles. But there's not too much to report on here because I want to give it time to breathe. It would be journalistically irresponsible of me to simply report on what the hype is feeding into. Let's give the consoles a week. Let's hear what people think about the games. Are they functioning well? Are you facing any glitches with the consoles? And if everything goes smoothly, I will be here to give high praise to both Sony and Microsoft. And I'm hoping that they succeed. Because again, that's a win for the entire gaming industry. And for you, if you're interested in purchasing one of these consoles, if you haven't gotten your hands on it already, the next chance to get your hands on one will be Black Friday. And I assume that will be a hotly contested day as everyone will be trying to put in their final orders to get something for their children, just something for the holidays. And consoles, a highly coveted object, obviously, will be something that people will be fighting to their fullest ability to get. But other than that, the main release game-wise that's been dominating the airwaves has been NBA 2K21 having its new version released with a whole new city park, a whole new story, a whole new game style, and Miles Morales, the Spider-Man game, a game that's following right behind a Spider-Man game that released for the previous generation that was a game of the year contender. It had plenty of content, decent graphics, decent frame rate. And a great story. People enjoyed that game a lot. So aside from the fact that people are going to be excited over a black Spider-Man, the actual game was highly anticipated because of what they had done previously. So everyone's rushing to get their walkthroughs in. I'm hearing that it's a, a solid length of a game, about 8 to 10 hours. Everyone's going to be rushing to get that done to put it out and we can get Some objective reviews of what the game was like, hopefully. Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War will also be sneaking into the headlines with their release as they'll continue with the Warzone, but maybe most notably their Zombies campaign 
that people will be rushing to complete. So we have a decent slate of games that will be taking over the airwaves for the gaming news for at least a couple weeks, I assume. And one of the big headlines that I've been seeing going into this generation is people are demanding to see more diversity in the protagonists of these games. One of the more notable ones has been women as we saw The Last of Us 2, a game that came out this year, one of the most highly anticipated games, honestly, of the past decade, have a female protagonist and be successful in that. So we're seeing a demand for more women, not just as protagonists in games, but being in the gaming industry to grant a diversity of perspectives. We see that there's been a dominance by certain genders, races, that I think more diversity could come with greater games, more specified perspectives. Myself, I couldn't give the perspective of what it's like to be a woman in Michigan just throwing a random place out there. But maybe if there is women from Michigan in the gaming industry, that opens up a whole new availability of perspectives that can be expressed in the gaming realm. A realm, an industry that's booming right now and trying to find every way to be successful, to reel more people in, and to just be an inviting place as games serve such a variety of different services to the people that play them. But with that being said, many are celebrating a new decade of gaming, something that I highly anticipate and hope that you, whether you are a gamer or not, just stay aware of. Even if it's mobile games taking a leap, if it's board games taking a leap, this could have some significant waves coming out of it. And it'll be interesting to me. And as I always do on my podcast, I will stay up to date with it. So with all of that coming into play, this is the end of the podcast. Thank you for taking your time out and listening. I always appreciate it. Let me know what you think. Leave a like, leave a review, share it if you enjoyed it. I'm always trying to find ways to get better at this. Truly. And your feedback is the most valuable feedback. So I'll continue to stay up to date with what's going on in the world. And I'll talk to you next week. This is Behold Pop Culture.